because it's on the computer. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Restoring Human podcast, where we believe humans were designed to flourish. Unfortunately, many of our modern conveniences prevent us from thriving, but through intentional lifestyle decisions, we can return to an optimal state of health. I'm Jarek Bakken. I'm Dr. Alex Aguilar. Alex got the notification that we're live over on his computer over there, uh, and we are here to talk about uh, really the last week of my life. Yeah. Uh, I did not eat anything and drank nothing but water for seven days. Uh, I'll admit. It wasn't a full seven days because I started at 5.30 p.m. and I ended, so it's like six and three quarters, but ruined it. Pretty darn close. <laughs> so uh, I want to start with, we put up a little video last Monday or Tuesday um, about like extended fasting, why anybody would even think about doing something like this. Uh let's let's rehash that just briefly at least what's the point of an extended fast yeah uh well what we listed out in that particular video is just kind of a bunch of different a, a variety of benefits that you could have from it um we talked about resetting gut bacteria in the gut we talked about just your, giving your body an opportunity to maybe get rid of some um toxicity in the body. Uh, we talked about, of course, losing weight. Um, we talked about the autophagy aspect of your body going around and killing cells that need to be killed that are kind of hanging around and would necessarily be considered abnormal um, or just going around and repairing things that maybe don't need to die but are still have enough life that the body can start repairing. Um, I think that was a, most of them that we went through. Um, but then also the insulin sensitivity um, aspect. So just overall metabolic health, um, making sure that your body is what they call metabolically flexible, being able to go from utilizing carbohydrates as an energy source to fat as an energy source, and even being able to then break down protein into glycogen as an energy source. When your body is able to do all three of those things well, we know that you are going to be healthy. And that's not just from a weight um, management or weight loss standpoint. That's just in order for your body to function, it requires those things as energy. So you need to be able to do that stuff well if you want to, to be a real healthy person, prevent bad things from happening in your body. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned last week I had a handful of reasons a handful of those reasons why I decided to do this. Um, one was very plainly my schedule for last week just kind of worked out that I thought that would be a pretty good week to do it. Um, partially experimental, like I don't no idea what's going to happen. I understand that I'm not going to die by doing something like this. Uh, I understand that there's a lot of benefit that could come from this. So part of it was just like experiencing, wow, this is actually possible. Um, so that in, in that regard, that was super cool. Um, I talked a little bit about 
There's all kinds of stuff ringing and whatnot right now. Yeah, what now. the heck is that? Oh, I wonder if it's my phone ringing. I'll check on that in a second. Um, yeah, that's annoying. Well, real quick while you're thinking, that was an aspect that we didn't talk about. And this is just kind of general. This isn't like specific stuff that happens. Um, but when you are just thinking about health and whether or not somebody is healthy or they're not healthy, the people who are that I would consider healthy are the people that are able to be in stressful environments and still not only be able to survive, but then come out of that um, better for it. So experiencing something stressful and, and somewhat overcoming that, those are the people that are going to be healthier, live the longest, have the best quality of life, as opposed to somebody who never enters into anything stressful. Um, because <laughs> as they get older, things are going to become more and more stressful for them. Things are going to become harder for them. And if they've never experienced that throughout their life, they're going to have a very hard time being healthy as they grow older. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess one of the first points is I think more than anything, it was a mental test. Yeah. More than anything, really physical. Like I mentioned some strange physical things that we can get into more, but the the hardest test was like being around food, mm -hmm. smelling it, having to handle it, feeding the kids, and making the decision, yeah, I'm not going to eat this. Not like wasn't feeling hungry, didn't have, like, I didn't feel like I was depriving myself physically, um, but just mentally deciding, nope, I'm not eating until Sunday. Yeah, you know? that's huge. And I don't even think we understand what happens hormonally when that's the case. Sure. Um, and we've mentioned a few times on our podcast how there's these different ways of being hungry. There's actual hormonal r response when we don't have food. Hormones that make us hungry go up, and uh, that tells us we should be eating. Um, if we don't eat, then what happens is those hormones just go back down because they're like, okay, you're not going to feed me now. I go into a state of looking for other sources of energy. Mm -hmm. But what most people do is just eat when that's the case, which is fine. But then there's also these other ways of being hungry. You just see food and want it, or you like how food tastes. So you see food and want it because your brain says, I should be eating right now. And if I don't, then bad things are going to happen. So then before you eat, or you just like the taste of food and you get, uh, you know, cravings. So actually understanding what hu what true hunger is is another benefit that you I'm sure experienced. Oh yeah. And then you experience on the back end of when you actually eat food that you enjoyed the food a lot more. At least your wife did is yeah. what I got from it. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely did. Um yeah, shout out to her. She went into the week uh I think she had 3 4 days kind of set out in her mind. Yeah. Um and she went like Five and a half ish. Sweet. Yeah. So that was very impressive. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So maybe I'll just kind of walk through everything I can try to remember. <laughs> so the 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 feeling. Yeah. If you've what I what I told people many times because I you know I tried to kind of document this whole process as much as possible. So there's a lot of people in my life who 
knew that this was going on last week, and so they're asking me questions and stuff. And, you know, most common things, like, is it hard? Are you hungry? Like, all this stuff. And really, if you have messed around with just intermittent fasting and even gone something like 24 hours, for the most part, whatever you're going to feel in those 24 hours, you're not going to feel... Like you're not gonna feel anything differently if you continue like that. It's the it's the same type of stuff, you know. Right. Occasionally, you'll get that little sense of like, you know, uh, I don't know if it's actually ghrelin that is spiking just slightly at kind of like meal times, mm-hmm. but then it subsides and you realize so like you're fine, you'll survive. Yeah. Um. And it, it, it's just kind of more of the same of that is really the biggest thing. Um, as far as feeling, though, so I'm glad that we did talk that first day on Monday. Uh, having the the salt and the mineral water, I think that was huge because I think I would have just like flushed myself out and really felt super drained if I didn't have that stuff I could I could definitely feel um if I was feeling kind of low weak drained whatever do some salt and within a few minutes just kind of feeling a little bit energized yeah um I'm trying to think of just other strange things so my sleep was different I feel like I required less sleep. Hmm. So I I tried to make a point to get good sleep. I mean, a lot of nights are just kind of tired, so it's fine to go to bed at a decent time. Um, but I found that I was waking up in the morning, sometimes before my alarm, and like if I would try to just go back to sleep, I was just kind of laying there and just ready to get up, um, which before my alarm is that's that's we're talking real early yeah um but i would get up go about normal day and like not feel like oh i need a boost i need some caffeine or anything so that was another piece of it was a little bit of caffeine detox day one i definitely had some that caffeine headache lack of caffeine headache type of thing um but throughout the rest of the week i mean there was that one day where i needed to focus on driving and I had a tiny tiny bit of coffee literally I, I got a small cold brew from Starbucks which they cut with water and ice and it took me about three hours to drink it <laughs> so that's what that was PED yeah yeah um, yeah so that was that was something very noticeable that was different I mean I've, I've heard a handful of people, especially guys like Dave Asprey talking about, like, I think that dude sleeps six hours a night regular. Yeah. And when he's writing his book, he talked about sleeping like two hours. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know about that, but, um, yeah, definitely felt rested and just kind of a sustained energy, not like a, you know, no afternoon crash, none of that stuff, like just pretty sustainable yeah i took a nap yesterday after eating and i think that was like the only additional 
sleep I did all week. Yeah. Um, six hours at a time. Phil, <laughs> <laughs> six hours at a time. Oh, boy. We can talk more about that some other time. <laughs> this guy can run for seven but can't sleep for seven. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> crazy. Um, okay, so I talked about... Um, I had a, I have a, like, what I believe is a cyst on my, like, lower back type of thing. Um, seeing if that would go away. Definitely shrunk. <laughs> I think it definitely shrunk. Uh, I'm not sure that's completely gone, but I, there's a couple of movements in the gym that definitely irritate it. Um, I've, tr- in the past few days, I've tried a couple of those with, little to no pain so there's definitely change that happened there Mm. um yeah another huge reason why i wanted to do this was because i've in my past i've obviously had some issues with insulin resistance and weight management and just being more metabolically healthy um i figured this is going to be a great thing to continue in the right direction yeah um, so we tested, I tested with, uh, Justin that one day, definitely producing ketones. Um, and I went a whole week, obviously using fat as energy. So I, I just know for a fact that that is all work that's going to reap more benefit as I continue to go forward and being more metabolically flexible. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you don't now go live a high carbohydrate, low fat, or even lo- high carbohydrate, high fat mm-hmm. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. If you stick with you know the way we feel like we're teaching people how to eat, yeah, which is minimizing carbohydrate sources so that we can again increase that metabolic flexibility. Mm-hmm. That's just gonna so there's kind of a jump start from that with what you did, but now you're going into a a lifestyle that's more in alignment with what you were already doing. Right. And I think you were coming out of that type of lifestyle too. So, Oh yeah. 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 Before I forget, um, just on the sleep thing, I can think of maybe two reasons why I think you probably got some deeper sleep is number one, in order for us to get into a, a, sl- a deep sleep, hormones have to be produced. Um, and really just your body can't be, requiring energy to do other things in the body. Mm. So if you weren't eating anything, then there was zero that needed to happen in a digestive system. And the digestive system takes most of our energy. So your body was kind of in the right state Mm -hmm. to actually get into the deep sleep and then now use that energy for the nervous system upregulates and then it can just go and start healing. Um, And then the other thing was back to the hormonal health is if you weren't eating anything, then insulin is not on at all. Um, So, well, I shouldn't say not on at all. It's very at its basal level. Right. So then it's never going to throw off your circadian rhythm. So if you have high insulin levels, it can throw off your circadian rhythm and produce effect, negatively affect cortisol levels, which is then going to affect our ability to get into a sleep. So all of those things weren't happening when you were in your fasted state. So. There's probably more, but those are the two things that I can think of. Yeah, and and uh, part of it was re- weird because there were nights where I didn't necessarily feel 
tired going to bed, but I don't think any night I had any trouble going to sleep. Yeah. You know, because it's like I kind of had just that sustained energy, uh, but yet I was still able to rest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, just a if different different feeling than what I have on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it would have been interesting to, t- I mean, a lot of stuff would have been cool to test. But oh, I know. I know. It's like as as I'm going through this, I'm like, damn it, I should have done this. I should have done this. Like, <laughs> But to test like where um, melatonin levels were at yeah. in your regular lifestyle and then to see if those increased at all through your fast because, mm-hmm. you know, that's required to get into a good sleep is producing melatonin. So, yeah. Um, so a co- a, I guess to go there a little bit, a couple of things I would have done differently. So one, I had that test, the one singular of my lifetime test of ketones in my blood is more just for, you know, fun. Um, having something like that, testing not only ketones, but um, seeing, you know, where my blood glucose is going, you know, yeah. start to finish, that kind of stuff. Um, I think more data there would be really cool. Um my my last meal, I definitely would have done that differently. <laughs> so we went out and just had fun. We got some ice cream or whatever. Um, just I, some ice cream or whatever. You had an ice cream sandwich that's about this large. It's amazing. Uh, I would have done I would have done that differently. So that was that was fun, more just for the heck of it. Um, but I definitely would have started with. Not only something high fat, but potentially something um, that was going to really push me into uh, that ketosis, state of ketosis earlier than I probably did hit it. Mm -hmm. Kind of pairing right along with that, I didn't work out on the first day. Um, I think that also would have helped with that, just burning through glycogen stores quicker yeah um and just making that transition faster because like i i know the feeling on just kind of a longer singular fasting day where i'm doing some of those things you know working out early in the morning having something like the brain octane oil or just you know even even just the working out even in that singular day, getting to what I can feel as kind of that deeper state of higher level of ketones. Um, and I like that definitely didn't happen as quickly as I, you know, I know I have experienced that previously. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that definitely would have helped. <sighs> what else? Um, I did mention this, but one of the, one of the only things that I more than once just felt strange about. So my head was very clear. My stomach was not hungry. Like no major changes there. Um, I had just a weird feeling in my legs a few days. Best way to describe it is just like a weakness or just a heaviness. Um, kind of like I would rather be sitting type of feeling um, a few of the days. And so the day that I did work out probably the, the most and squatted heavy and deadlifted heavy, uh, after after that movement, it was, I don't know, 
what necessarily changed, but my legs felt really good uh, the rest of that day. Hmm. Um, but we'll kind of go into a little more of the scale thing that we tested. But there was de- there's definitely something happening, like in my legs, maybe specifically quads. I don't know exactly, but there's definitely change happening there with fat or musculature or something. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of when we talked about with uh, Bonnie how the insulin resistance begins in the quads. Yeah, that's what studies some studies have shown. I don't know if on the opposite spectrum something else is happening there when fat is being burned and whatnot. I don't know. That's total. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. What I mean, the first thing that I would think of is just because of the the mineral deficiency uh-huh. that you're gonna have with fasting. I mean, I know you were you were doing the salt and mm-hmm. drinking the water with it had to increase minerals, but there's most likely was still some form of a mineral deficiency right. there. So you're gonna feel that for sure, um, magnesium specifically, and then. But I don't know if working out what that would have done if that would have now mobilize some of the minerals to actually get there mm-hmm. or if you would have uh yeah since you use those particular muscles when you did replenish your body with the minerals the, the salt and the, what you were drinking if they actually went Kinda to your went legs to that. yeah that that um, makes sense yeah i mean that's all speculation though i don't know right. that that's ever been studied or why that something like that would happen mm-hmm. yeah um so how about how did you feel so you exercised a couple times in a fasted state. Yes. And you didn't die. Didn't die. How did you feel the next day? Um, so. Super sore? Not no, sore at all? No. No. I mean, okay. So like I, the on Friday, I worked up to within small percentages of max lifts on a deadlift and, uh, uh, back squat. No, absolutely no soreness whatsoever. Um, yeah, so on Tuesday, so earlier in the week, we did a workout that was clearly more just glycolytic and demanding of that kind of energy pathway. Uh, and I, I felt it. I did not feel like I could push myself uh, in that capacity. It was, uh, I just kind of moved slower. Um, You know, had no problem to keep moving um, and keep doing work, but uh, that that just extra edge, yeah, that was gone. Um, And and I I understand that. I understand how that type of energy works that that I knew that was not going to be there. Right. Um, I worked out a little bit this morning and rightfully so I haven't replenished that glycogen yet. Um, so it's, it's still not there. I still definitely don't have that edge. Um, but I squatted heavy and like this morning. Yeah. Yeah. That strength that's still there, you know, but definitely that, uh, Yeah, I mean, because I think the big question is people, especially potentially some of our listeners would be, 
Yeah, I understand there's all these different benefits from fasting if you're looking for those benefits, but would I be able to do it if I'm working out a lot and want to mm-hmm. main, maintain, if not grow muscle tissue? And while I don't think you probably could grow muscle tissue like bulk wise, um, I think you could definitely build more muscle on your body, um, but you for sure could maintain it um, without, you know, having to replenish with the protein mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. Um, because again, you're, so we know eating protein stimulates mTOR, so muscle protein synthesis, your body making more muscle, but we also know working out does, it sets off that process. So if you worked out, even though you didn't eat anything, yes, it would be beneficial if you were to eat protein so that you have amino acids to then go and be able to make more muscle tissue. But if you don't give your body those, your body is going to figure out how to do it. Well, then that's where it would be tearing down other things, maybe some sort of protein that's built up in your body that isn't muscle tissue mm-hmm. that would that potentially could it could use to then turn into beneficial muscle tissue. So not that, again, we you, we were never suggesting that you do this for the rest of your life. No. Of course, um, protein is essential to have, but in a state where you're like this, where you are looking for those other benefits, your body's going to be able to figure out how to how to do the things to maintain, you know, and you probably are going to lean some loose, potentially lose some lean tissue, especially if you're already very lean. Um, but your body's not going to, it's not going to just all of a sudden start burning more. Yeah. Protein or muscle tissue to get the protein. Yeah. Um, as we're getting close to, I mean, I, I have a few more things I want to say, but as we're kind of getting close to the end here, if anybody who's listening right now has any questions, Put them, put them there in the comments. I can see that you're watching here. Just ask them. We've got lots of people coming in and out here. Um, okay, so let's talk about your scale. Okay. Again, something that we can't really explain. <laughs> so uh, between last Monday and right now, the scale in... Right here, Alex's office, fancy, got the metal plates on it and stuff, does all these different measurements, said I only lost one pound of my overall weight. However, the body fat percentage that it was reading dropped 10%. (laughs) Um, And the, the muscle percentage went up five percent not putting any weight on these numbers other than there was a very distinct change that happened something happened um without really much change in overall weight yeah that that's that a fair assessment yeah yeah, and I think the, I mean, the majority of the weight that was going to be lost on this was water, mm-hmm. most likely. You, yes, I'm sure lost some fat, potentially even lost some lean muscle tissue. Um, but according to that, percentage of muscle tissue went up, and fat went down a, a ton. Um, so I would say overall something beneficial happened there. Yeah. Um, but if majority of it is water, as soon as you start eating again, especially if anything in your diet has been carbohydrates, which I don't think 
think it has been yet, right? Probably literally zero. So, but anything you start eating again, you're going to start retaining more water. So that's going to, that weight is going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, and again, this is why we're not saying, hey, you want to lose 10 pounds? Water fast. No. Because you're <laughs> it's not going to be the type of, well, you do want to lose water, especially if you're retaining a ton of water. Because the reason that you would be ta- retaining a ton of water is because your insulin levels are high. So we want to bring those insulin levels down. Mm-hmm. But then when you start eating again, you're going to start retaining the water again. So most likely the weight that you lost is going to come back, but you still, it's a net positive because you have radically changed your insulin levels. Right. You've radically right. changed your insulin sensitivity. Yeah. Right. So it's not like you want to lose, it's not like you did it so you could lose that weight during that fast. Mm-hmm. You did it so that you can continue to move in the right direction as far as weight loss mm-hmm. because metabolically you're now healthier. Yeah. So that honestly, that is kind of one of the biggest points that I wanted to get to here because um, I just from documenting this and kind of essentially being loud about what I was doing last week, um, there are a handful of people who are trying some extended fasting. Yeah. Um, some who are already in it and have done a few days, and I had multiple other people even still this morning who have been asking me about it and like thinking hey i want to i want to try this um so knowing knowing that point uh is i think very important Uh, because otherwise you might do this and walk away discouraged if you see holy cow a day later the scale says the exact same thing that it did beforehand like what I'm more excited about is honestly over the next two weeks, adding food back in, seeing kind of what things happen now, you know, mm-hmm. the next two weeks, the next month even, seeing how I can compare that to the past few months, the past six months. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's probably way more valuable than what happened in these seven days. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's going to be different for everybody too. I mean, you, if you have a lot of fat to lose, then you're absolutely going to lose. That's just the more fat you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And the longer that you do it, the more fat that you're going to lose. So that like the longest recorded fast is I think 382 days. Is that what Something. I said? Yeah. Over a year. 382 yeah. days. Guy went from over 400 pounds down to 185 pounds. When he started eating the next day, he didn't gain over 200 pounds back. Right, so that means he lost a lot of fat. Mm-hmm. He didn't just lose water, but that was because he had a lot of fat to lose and he did it for an extended period of time. So somebody like you, seven days is absolutely a long time, but you n- but didn't necessarily have a ton of fat to lose and seven days in comparison to what that guy did is, is not very long. Right. Which is why it's not, the actual fast is not for the weight loss, it's the actual fast when it comes to weight loss is to kind of set you up in a metabolically healthy state to then transition into something that's going to continue into that metabolically healthy state. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which is where we're hopefully going to, now the next thing you're going to be documenting is going to be helpful, hopefully. Yes. So, uh, one final thought on the fasting stuff. Um, I, I, I think it was a great experience. Like, 
is kind of one of those things where it's like set sending a challenge out for myself and doing it. There's a sense of accomplishment with that. Um, obviously, I learned a ton. I think after doing this, now I think more consistently, I'm going to implement a lot more in the like 36 to 48 hour range, um, partially based on things I felt, partially based on you know just more research I did, just kind of being my awareness being heightened to all this stuff last week. Um, seeing how <coughs> those those first two days, there's a lot of stuff saying that that's kind of the where a lot of those processes are essentially peaking. Um, and so just doing that more often, I think, is a lot more sustainable and potentially like just just as beneficial. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I see in my future. I, I don't know what regular means once a month, once a week. I, I don't know. But I think I'll be implementing that a lot more. Cool. Uh, now, yes, teaser. So over the next... 12 days, I believe, starting today. Um, I'm also going to be documenting uh, the reintroduction of food. And within that process, uh, I'm kind of laying out what we have essentially developed as the Restoring Human Diet. Um, and you can kind of think about it as like a kind of a hierarchy of foods. Um, were you laughing at some of that popped up there? Yeah. Um, yeah, a, hi a hierarchy of the the food that I'm eating, kind of as I reintroduce it. So, um, yeah, that's 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 gonna be fun. However, so Jill's also joining me on this process, uh, and she has already said that this is going to be harder than last week <laughs> because it's like being 100% restricted is Easy. essentially easier yeah. than being uh, kind of eliminated and only slightly restricted. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that should be fun. Cool. Sweet. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope this was helpful. I know, um, yeah, I know that a lot of you got interested in this topic uh, over the course of last week. So if you still do have more questions, let us know. Uh, not that we're really experts here. We can also kind of point you to some better experts. Um, but we've got a little bit of experience. <laughs> so that's something. Cool. Later.